Matthew chapter 22. If you're new to church, last week we started a series, just a two-week two series that we're doing called Relationship Realities. Talking about relationships and the reality that all of us are in relationships. Last week we started with relationship with God. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But this week I want to talk about relationship with others. I'll just come out and tell you the title of today's message. It is going to be very exciting to have my wife come up here in a minute. But I want to talk today about five relationships that matter most. Five relationships that matter most. And let's just lay a groundwork for where we're going today. Let's rehearse some verses we read last week out of Matthew chapter 22. And um, let's go to verse 34. And we'll read just a couple verses. And um, and then we're going to read another portion of scripture for our main text today. This is just a refresher. This is like when you go to the restaurant and they ask if you want an appetizer. And usually you say no because you cheat, but you're on Valentine's Day. So it's like, oh, for sure we want to. Okay, so let's get the appetizer. Okay, Matthew chapter 22. Then one of them, a lawyer, he asked him a question, testing him. And he said, teacher, this, he's talking to Jesus, Jesus. Which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and it's the great commandment. And the second is very similar. It's just like it. You shall love your neighbor just as you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and all of the prophets. I'm going to explain a little bit, but by the way, when Jesus says this, this is so groundbreaking. This is so revolutionary to the Jewish culture that he's speaking to. They could not grasp. They could not understand the words coming out of his mouth. They could not believe what they were hearing. They could not believe the new world order that Jesus was ushering in. Jesus is basically saying to people of high position and power, he's going, everybody's equal now. These guys paraded socially on their ability to put people underneath them. That there was people that were beneath their level. Jesus is going for every slave, for every woman, for every Gentile, everyone is now equal in the eyes of God. Anybody thankful that Jesus came and set the new record straight? Come on, more than 10 people ought to be excited that Jesus says there is equality for humanity. This is revolutionary at the time. Go over now to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And go to verse 12. John chapter 15, verse 12. And watch as Jesus continues this theme of love. That was the love day. And you can call me the love doctor if you want. But, um, be kind of awkward. But, um, John chapter 15, continue the thought of love. This is our main text for today. This is what it says. It says, my command. This is Jesus speaking. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I like that. You're my friend if you do what I say. That's all my friends right there. No, I'll be your friend. Just do what I say. (laughs) You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you would go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command that you love each other. I love this. This is my not suggestion. Jesus is saying, this is my commandment that you love one another. I want to talk today 
about five relationships that matter most. Jesus is talking about relationships, talking about loving one another, talking about five people that you need to love, five relationships that matter most in life. Are you excited for the message today? Are you excited for point number three when Julia comes out? Come on, that's going to be my favorite part right there. So let's pray one more time over the message and let's believe that God will speak to us. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus for all that you're doing amongst, amongst us and and, and in us. And God, we acknowledge that you're here today. We acknowledge that you are so kind and gracious. God, we're asking that you'd open up our eyes so we can see Jesus, open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit do what only you can do in these times. God, strengthen us in our inner man. We love you so much. And God, we are praying today, God, as we do every Sunday, that you will bless the Los Angeles Rams and you will particularly bless the Los Angeles Lakers. God, we need a new number one draft pick. We need the spirit of Magic Johnson to fall afresh. God, we ask, send Kevin Durant. Speak to him right now, God. And send Kevin Durant to Los Angeles so we can go back to our winning ways and the devil, a.k.a. the Clippers, can be defeated. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Come on, faith people, and everybody said. Come on, if you agree with that, let me get a little loud amen. Come on, Sunday morning. Come on, applaud the Lord in Jesus' name. I, I don't know if you like, if you're super into people, you know, like you love people. Where are the people people at? You just love people. Love, I love people, man. People are my favorite part of life. I love people. I like to people watch. Like anybody ever go to somewhere like the mall and just love to watch people? If you want some good people watching, just go to Walmart. You get all the people watching you need right there. Just fascinating humans right there walking through the aisles. It didn't cost you no money. Just great entertainment in the flesh, live. No DVR, just in the flesh. Just people watching. I love people. Now, there are some people that you need in your world. There are some friends that you must have in life. Let me just name a few of them, and probably you have these people, but if you don't, you're going to want to go out and get them. Number one, you need a funny friend. Anybody have a funny friend? Thank God for your funny friend. Your funny friend is the friend you have. You put a quarter in them, you let them go for three hours. Anybody know who I'm talking about? You ask your funny friend one question, they're going to talk and talk and more talk. Half of the things they say is inappropriate, but you give them a pass, grace, grace, and you're going to laugh. Shout out to the funny friends. Everybody needs a rich friend. Do you have one? Everybody needs a friend that has money because then when you pat down yourself like, oh my gosh, I forgot my wallet. You didn't forget your wallet. You with your rich friend. You know what you did. You a devil is a liar. You with your rich friend. Everybody needs a rich friend. Everybody needs a low maintenance friend. You know what I'm talking about? I am not the low maintenance guy. I'm as high maintenance as they come. But, but low maintenance friends like one of those dudes, you know, like you're in the car and you don't have to talk to them. You know what I'm talking about? Like you can just roll and they don't need to be addressed. They don't need to be talked to. If they didn't get invited to the party, they don't have feelings. They're never going to be offended. Listen, if you don't invite me to your party, I'm going to cry, okay? I'm high maintenance of the highest level. Can I get a witness in the church? Valentine's Day, high maintenance in, these, in this place, okay? So you, you, need, you need a low maintenance friend. You need all kinds of friends in your circle, in your inner, your, 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 you know, you need a good texter. Like there is nothing better than the friend who is good at texting. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some people are bad at text. They are so bad at text. When they text me things, I think, are you mad? Are you mad, bro? Are you mad? You put a period at the end. What does the period mean? Are you upset? I need emojis. I need gifts. I need memes. I need LOLs. I need the crying face. I need the happy face. I need all of it. Can I get a witness on Valentine's Day if I'm preaching to anybody in this place? You need a good texter. You need a, a friend that's always down. Like a road dog. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you're just like, hey, 
let's go to Arizona today. They're like, let's da- I'm down, let's go. Your down friend has nothing on their schedule. They make no money, but they're down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always keep that guy around. Why? Because he's down. Always down. Jesus is talking about relationship. He says, now, let's just set the record straight. Here's the way life will go. He goes, if you fulfill these two things, everything that the law and the prophets said You will fulfill them by doing these two things. Number one, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. He said the second one is just as important, and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. But notice he starts first. Write this first one down. It's just kind of a a, a recap of last week. He starts with relationship with God. So number one, our first relationship we have is we have a relationship with God. Anybody here today willing to admit that God is important to you? Let me just see your hand. If you think God's really important, can I tell you, God doesn't want to be a part of your life. God wants to be all of your life. God doesn't want a portion or a percentage or a sliver of your attention. God wants your undivided attention. He wants your affection and your adoration. He wants to talk to you, not on Sundays, but even on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. He wants to talk to you in the morning, the afternoon, the nighttime. God doesn't want a religion from you. He wants a relationship with you. And God doesn't want to become 10th or 8th. He's not interested in 3rd. But God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, I want to become 1st. Number one, like, let's just go to the NBA right now. The Warriors, who the Lakers want to be next year. Number one, God says, I'm number one. Anybody thankful today that God makes it clear where he wants our relationship to be? That it's not passive aggressive. This is not a suggestion. God just says, if we're going to be in relationship, just so you know, I have to come first. Anybody thankful that God is very clear about the expectation that he has in this relationship? So first, we have a relationship with God. Here's number two. You can write down number two, what we're talking about today. So I have a relationship with God. Here's the second most important relationship, and that is a relationship with your neighbor, which we can also call the world. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've established that. But watch number two. He says, also, second, second commandment, equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Are, are you serious? Love Love my neighbor as much as I love my, myself? God, you, you're joking, right? You've got to be kidding. Cause I love myself a lot. I dress myself. I take selfies of myself. I feed myself. I'm into self. I watch what self wants to watch. I'm, in, I'm a self person. Anybody else? Jesus is saying, as much as you love yourself, that's as much as you should love people. What do you mean by this? Jesus is, he's welcoming us in to this new world order and this new system of way relationships should go. And he's, by the way, he's saying, the way that you should love other people is, watch this, the way that I love you, you should love people. What are we talking about? Jesus is saying the way that he loves us, we'll just use the word agape, write down your notes, agape. Agape love is the type of love that God uses in our world. Agape love is sacrificial love. It's, it's unconditional love. It's the kind of love that God gives us. It's called, in the Greek, it's called agape love. Jesus says, I have loved you in a way that no other God can love you. I love you so much, I sent my son to die for your sins. I love you. The same way that I love you is the way that you're to love your neighbor. The way that I lay my life down, the way that I 
sacrifice, the way that my love is unconditional, that's how you're supposed to treat one another. 31 times in the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament use these two words together, one another. This is all the relationship of the New Testament, that now we're supposed to be kind to one another. We're supposed to serve one another. We're supposed to be gracious to one another. All throughout the New Testament, the theme is, is don't, don't be a part of the agape killers, which is strife, jealousy, envy, discord. No, don't be a part or associated with the agape killers, but give yourself to loving each other and being at peace with one another and serving one another and letting other people take priority over yourself. This is the way that I love you. Now that's the way I want you to love each other. What? Jesus, this is, this is a big ask here, okay? You want me to love people the way you love me. You want me to love people the way I love myself. I, I cannot do this. Jesus knows this. In fact, the only way that you can give agape love is if you receive agape love. The only way you can love others, this is a supernatural type of love. This is a divine type of love. This love cannot be channeled by human strength or human condition. But Jesus says in John chapter 15 later, he says, apart from me, you can do no good thing. That the key to success, the key to relationship is if you're in relationship with me, I will give you supernatural power to serve one another and let other people take priority and give the benefit of the doubt. Come on, anybody thankful that God would never ask us to do something that would be impossible? but he'll always give us the power to run up in it. He says, love your neighbor as, who is my neighbor? Are you talking about the people that live above me in my condo? Because I do not love them. Are you talking about the dude that is in my backyard who never throws the basketball back over the fence and gets mad that my back, this is a true story, I'm, now I'm getting real on Valentine's Day. Are, are you, are, who is my neighbor? Do they live in my county, in my state, in my nation? Define what a neighbor is. Define who this love my neighbor. I want to know who neighbor is. Well, if I got to love them the way I love myself, which is a lot. If I have to love them the way you love me, which is a lot. Who is my neighbor? Jesus goes on. This is amazing. He tells this story. This guy comes up and asks the same question. He goes, Jesus, fine. We got to do the neighbor bit. I don't, I'm not into it, but whatever. He goes, who is my neighbor? Tell me. Jesus tells this unbelievable story. It's incredible. He's kind of like just messes with the guy. He goes, let me just tell you a story. Jesus, by the way, was a, such a fascinating, incredible storyteller. He tells a story. He goes, okay, look, th let me just tell you this story. I do drugs, yes. Um, he goes, let me just tell you a story. He goes, okay, here's a story. He goes, let me, just, let me tell you a story. This is a story. It's story time. He goes, let me just tell you the story. He goes, because it's story time. Because this guy is going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he gets jumped by some thugs. These guys come and they, they beat him up and they leave him half dead on the ground and they take all of his money. He goes, now, when this guy's like half dead on the ground, he's on the street, he's just laying there. He said, a priest walks by. Like, this is not a joke about a priest. This is Jesus' story. He goes, a priest walks by. And he goes, the priest actually is so like disturbed by the man's condition that he goes to the other side of the street and he stays away. He's like, whoa. Stinky. This is not good. Okay. He said another guy walks by and he uses uh, the terminology Levite, which is supposed to be like a godly person, like a priest. A Levite walks by, sees the guy's like, whoa, stays on the other side. Now, Jesus, third person he uses is a Samaritan. This is amazing. Jesus always messes with people this way. Samaritans in this culture of the story, story time, Jesus is talking about a Samaritan who is the worst of the worst, the scum of the scum. For context here in our church, you can just 
fill in the blank with a Clipper fan, okay? So just worst, okay? Worst, okay? So a Clipper fan walks by. I just, I love to mess with Clippers. And um, he says, a, a guy walks by, a, a Samaritan walks by and sees the man's condition. He goes, he picks up the guy, puts him on his donkey, takes him all the way to a hotel, pays the hotel bill, has to go away on business, tells the keeper of the inn, hey, whatever this guy needs, I got him. Put him on my account. I'll, I'll take care of him. I've got to go away, but trust me, here's my card. You can put it on hold for good measure. When I get back, I will pay the rest of this man's bill. Jesus says basically to this guy, who do you think was the good neighbor in this story? Do you think it was the priest? Was it the Levite or the Samaritan? The man who's asked the question says, well, clearly it's the one that showed the man mercy. He says to the man, he says, well, then go and do the same. Go and treat other people in this manner. Go and serve other people with this kind of passion and with this kind of way. I am so grateful that God is basically saying the 7 billion people that are on this planet are my neighbor. I am neighbors with India. I am neighbors with Latin America. I am neighbors with Africa. Come on, anybody thankful today that God did not say to love people that look like us and walk like us and go to our church. But come on, anybody willing as Zoe Church to go love their neighbor as ourselves? Last night I was getting ready. I, was, I go to the same spot every Saturday night and study, get ready for my message. Message prep. I'm so spiritual. Message prep. I'm studying. I'm studying. I'm trying to get ready. I go to the same little dive place every Saturday night. It has Wi-Fi. So I sit there, get French fries. I study Wi-Fi. So I'm, I'm sitting there. This guy sitting next to me. I am clearly in a zone. I forget my headphones. They're not on. So this guy feels like he can talk to me. I do not want to talk right now. So he starts talking. Now, you ever be in a social situation and the person cannot read your body language that you are not trying to talk right now. I am in the middle of a study time. I'm a man of God. So this guy cannot take the read. He cannot socially. He's just, he's very smart and just smart people sometimes struggle with this. And so he's, he's, he's explaining, you know, all these things he's done and accomplishments and this and that. And I'm listening. So we get into it. He says, what do you do? And I just, I really don't like this question or to be honest in this time. So I dodge it and I get around it. And eventually he discovers of who I am. And so we talk about religion and, and that's a good 30, 45 minutes and he opens up and, and, and then finally he, he, he's done with what he's eating and, and he leaves and I got my time back to study about loving people and I'm back in my zone and the girl next to me, she's sitting next to me, the girl that's next to me, she looks at my screen, she goes, you're a spiritual guy. And I'm like, God, this is the worst study time ever. She's like, you're a spiritual guy. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what, uh, what, what? And she, she starts asking questions and what do you do and who are you? And long story short, 30, 45 minutes later, this girl's crying her eyes out. She's opening up about her hurt from the church and she's talking about the pain of the past and haven't been to church in years because this is what they did to me. And I would love to come to your church. And she gets my email and I got her email and she's going to come to our church. And I, I, what I'm saying, church, is the world is our neighbor. And I'm not going to study about this stuff. I'm going to put it into action. I'm not going to be someone that knows a lot of scriptures on it, but I'm just going to treat my neighbor as my neighbor. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody here that's willing as OA church to extend themselves a little bit and love people the way you love yourself? So number one, we have a relationship with God. Number two, we have a relationship with our neighbor, the world. We're to love our neighbor. And number three, this is my favorite one because my wife comes out on this part. We got to love the one. Love the one. And at that, I want to bring out my one. Would you put your hands together and welcome my wife to the stage? Come on, make some noise 
for the one in my world, my beautiful wife, Julia. How are you feeling on this Valentine's Day? I feel good. Look at it. We're sharing Bibles. We're right sharing there. Bibles. Sharing good morning. podiums. So good, babe. Um, happy Valentine's Day. Maybe you want to tell the people what I did this morning for you or not. Nah, Chad, it's not about you. It's not. Anyways. <laughs> you did good. Did you I, always do good. Uh, Roses. Okay. Card, which I just opened during worship. And... Um, <laughs> It was very beautiful. And um, you... There's more to come. There's, yeah. <laughs> that was it. Give me a hug and a kiss. And, and Affirmed me. And, and we're celebrating tomorrow. Took the garbage out. Yeah, come on, somebody. <laughs> My love language. Um, hey, and we're so, celebrating tomorrow, yes. And we're celebrating tomorrow. So we, we I, when I say we, means I. Um, we had some questions for you. Um, okay. That I want to talk about when we, we talk about the one. And, um, you know, we have been married now seven years. And um, gosh, feels like yesterday. Um, but uh, we had some questions, some relationship questions. I don't have them in, in order up here. But okay. can I can I ask you a few questions? You can ask me any question you want. What, how did you do uh, single? Like how how did you you know save yourself waiting for the one? You know, like what was that whole process like for you? And how did how did you come about that? Um, first of all, how many are single here this morning? A little, yeah, loud and proud. Okay. Um, anyone married in the house? Happily married? Hello. Okay. A few different hands. That's okay. Um, we are happily married, but we are actually, um, we both were single for, I got married at 25. You were 28, right? 28. Okay. And, um, and we waited and that's not easy. So when you ask the question, how do you handle being single? There's definitely, uh, different elements to that. And in, in my story, in my circumstance, I just settled in my heart. It says in Proverbs 31, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And it says he, not she. And I settled that I was going to run hard after what God had called me to be and uh, what call God had called me to do. And I wasn't going to find, I wasn't going to search. And I just determined and settled that I was going to run as fast as possible after those things. And he who was worthy or qualified was able to keep up with me and um, able to make me stop. And so I am grateful that God gave Chad these gazelle-like legs and he... <laughs> Sprinted and um, captured my heart. Well played. <laughs> but you know, like in every sing uh, season, whether you're single or you're married, whether you're a mom or whether you're a grandparent, whatever that season looks like, I I just want to encourage you to enjoy it. Yeah. And we didn't talk about getting engaged. We didn't talk about getting married. Right. Um, and so when Chad proposed on June 6th, that morning, I um, read the Bible and I read out of Ecclesiastes 3 and I journaled about Verse 11, I had no idea that he was going to propose in the near future, and he actually proposed that day. Uh, but I wrote about how God makes everything beautiful in his time. Right. 
and that we have to settle in our hearts that we can't determine whether that's the season to mourn or to grieve or to dance or to celebrate, that I was just going to determine that everything was going to be beautiful because he is faithful to control every season of our life. And being single is not always easy. Being married is not always easy. Uh, being a mom is not always easy. We have all lost in love. And we all represent different stories today. Right. And um, I just want to encourage you, if you're single here, just enjoy it. And run so hard, hard after the things that God has purposed Come in your on. heart. My God. What is this, Oprah? Jeez. Unbelievable. N uh, another question, number two. What's the best part of marriage? I mean, just tell Do you want them. me to say cuddling? If, Talking? If, if that's your... If that, um, <laughs> um, I, for me, the best part of marriage is companionship. And I think that uh, we say this, if you're new to Zoe, uh, we believe that you can go through anything as long as you don't go through it alone. Um, so marriage to me is companionship. And I'm excited to grow old with Chad because we get to go through multiple seasons, exciting ones and difficult ones, but we get to go through it together. And um, I just want to encourage you, if you're alone and you're feeling lonely, we are your companion. We are a community of people that believe that you do not have to go through things alone. Yeah, it's my favorite part of marriage too. Cuddling, talking. Hey, talking. <laughs> question number three. Um, what would your advice be to newlyweds? Uh, if, if there's anybody out there today on Valentine's oh Day, they're new into marriage. What, what we, I mean, we're experts seven years. Um, okay. Any advice? Newlyweds. Well, um, for some of, some of you, being a newlywed is amazing and exciting and adventurous and all these fun things. Um, for some, actually like Chad and I, it was hard Yeah. and it's an adjustment and it's stretching and growing and, um, you know, I'm going to actually read a verse yeah, here. Absolutely. In Proverbs three, I was just looking at this this morning. Tie it off envelope. Okay. <laughs> um, it says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. I think in every season, especially in new seasons, and uh, being a newlywed is a new season, just let's never forget his faithfulness. Amen? Right. And whether that's a difficult season or an amazing season, it's going to look for di different for every person. Mm. Uh, we're all in different um, areas and seasons, like we're talking about, in our lives. And I think you just have to determine that you're going to write on the tablet of your heart, you're going to settle, that God is faithful through every circumstance, through every situation, yeah. and um, he's with us through this journey. Amazing, amazing. Last question. Yes. How, we're talking about the one. How do you know if someone is the one? Like, what was, what is the determining factor? What was it for you, um, besides gazelle eggs? What is, how do you know... <laughs> How, I mean, how did you come to that? I know that's probably a question for a lot of people. Um, the one. 
I think God speaks to us in different ways. Um, some of you that's in worship, some of you that's reading the word, some of you, um, it's through other people. I really believe that, uh, the Holy Spirit can speak to us in several different ways. I think peace is a real indicator of determining whether it's Mm. the one. Um, I wanted, I'm a planner and I wanted to get married at 20 years old. I wanted to have four children before I was 30 years old. I wanted to get my master's by this date. And I mean, I had my life figured out. And how many of you guys know that God has a different plan, a better plan, a bigger plan? And in my. Yeah, he does. (laughs) And both Chad and I, um, to be honest, we envisioned marrying a different type of person. Uh, if you were here for this message, Chad in Bible college thought he was going to marry a five foot four blonde. That is not me. But, um, and I thought I was going to marry, um, someone different. Say it. I want to know who was it? What's his name? Yo, where he lived? What he looked like? And, um, God had bigger and better and faster. Do he had his legs though? Um, he don't got these legs. Smarter, more handsome, more talented, funnier. No, just kidding. Shots fired. No, no, no. I'm saying you are. Oh, 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 oh right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funnier, right. Funnier. Yeah, that's right. Cooler. <laughs> buffer. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And um, no, I thought, <laughs> I thought I had almost like a God idea, like of what my life looked like. Mm. And I had this plan and this vision of specific, (laughs) it's a control thing. And, um, you know, in my early 20s when I was single and I started to feel like I was losing control of my perfect plan, um, I had to trust, which is the most difficult part of being right. a Christian. I had to trust right. that God had something better mm. and more amazing for me than I could ever even envision for yeah. myself. And God did, and he showed up right on time. And amazing. I knew that Chad was the one because there was an overwhelming sense of peace and still to this day, when things rock our home and circumstances seep in and things do not look like we had hoped or envisioned or wanted to have control of, we have to trust that God is ultimately in control. Beautiful. And I don't have advice for whether you're single or you're married. I am not a marriage counselor. But what I do know, and I can stand up here today and say, with 100% confidence. Whoa, emotional. God is faithful. Yeah. And he is faithful to meet you. Mm. And whatever. See, I didn't plan this. I'm sorry. Maybe it's <laughs> I, the breast I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Can Put we just blame everything on our children? <laughs> God is so faithful. Amen. And that is all I can say and all I know. It's great. And there was an overwhelming sense of peace that God had made everything beautiful in his time, not mine. Come on, can we thank my wife? Amen. I'm just glad I didn't cry. (laughs) 
I want to be uh, very sensitive to your time. So just, again, five, we're talking about five relationships that matter. So number one, your relationship with God, which we settled that. Number two, your neighbor, which is really God saying love the world. Number three, the, the one. Remember, the Bible says this. For what God has joined together, let no man separate. So God does this stuff. God brings people together. God orchestrates this. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. In my case, I found a great thing. But he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So there's something about the one. Here's the next relationship I want to talk to you about. Again, five relationships that matter. Here's the fourth one. Family. Your relationship with your family. You might say, well, um, I don't, my family's bad or my family's dysfunctional or I don't want to love, uh, there's abuse, there's anger, there's, there's history with my family. But there's some families that are awesome. That's not my family. Can I just encourage you? The Bible talks a lot about loving your family. Watch this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18. It's going to come on the screens. Watch what the Bible says about being faithful to our family. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. God is so into relationship with family that he put it in the Ten Commandments. One of the commandments of God, Ten Commandments, don't kill, don't murder. One of the, one of the commandments is honor your father and your what? It's the first commandment tied to a blessing. It says you'll live a long life if you take care of your family. There's something about family. If you come from dysfunction and you come from a bad family and your parents aren't the most perfect parents or you've grown up with a dad that was absent or you don't even know your dad, can I encourage you? There's all kinds of people through the history of the Bible that came from bad family. Abraham had a father-in-law that was the worst. Joseph got sold into slavery by his brothers. David, his own son, his flesh and blood, disrespected him, tried to throw the kingdom, slept with his wife on a roof in front of the whole nation. Uh, what about Job? Job got laughed at in front of his face by his wife. All throughout the Bible, there's been family issues. But if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, the devil himself has, binded, has been trying to destroy us via our family. Go back to when the sin uh, came in the picture through Adam and Eve, their kids, Cain and Abel. One of the brothers kills the other. God comes on the scene in Genesis chapter 4. He says to Cain, Cain, where's your brother? And the reply back with attitude to God is, am I my brother's keeper? As if to say, I don't have to worry about my family. I don't have to worry about my sibling rivalry. I don't have to worry about my parents. I don't have to worry about my family. But God says one of the keys to success, one of the keys to having a great heart and a bountiful spirit is taking care of home, taking care of family, having value for your brothers and sister, having value for your parents. Anybody thankful today that God has commissioned us not just to love our neighbor, but to also love our family? Anybody love your family today? Send a group text on the family text. Let the family know we love you. Here's the fifth relationship of five relationships that matter most. Here's the fifth one I want to encourage you with, and it is your friends. It is your friends. And I'm not talking about your acquaintances. There's a difference between acquaintances and friends. We do not need more acquaintances. Somebody shout me down. We need more friends. I'm talking about real friends. Friends that know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Friends that are going to be there through thick and thin. Friends that are really going to know you. You don't have to pretend like you're somebody you're not. You don't have to put it on for them. Anybody thankful that God has given you good friends? Never, never try and, never try and treat an acquaintance like a friend. An acquaintance is someone that can follow you and unfollow you on social media. A friend would never do that. Somebody say amen. But a real friend, I'm talking about a friend. 
You and I need friends. Not just the rich friend and the funny friend and the good texting friend and the always down friend. You need real friends. Can I give you three friends that you got to understand in life? Here's the first friend. You need a loyal friend. I'm talking about a ride or die. I'm talking about someone that just say, I don't care what you get caught in. I don't care what you do. You could be the biggest idiot. You can make the dumbest decisions. I'm going to be faithful to you. Come hell or high water, I'm in your corner. Even when you're wrong, even when you're dumb, even when you're doing stupid things, I am your friend. If you got a friend like that in the world, you are blessed. Some people in their lifetime don't even have four friends that are really this kind of friend. Every one of us, we need loyal friendships. Here's the second kind of friend that you got to be aware of. There are loyal friendships and there are four friendships. I say four friendships. What do you mean? What's a four friend? A four friend is they are just for what you are for, but they are not for you. You have to be careful with this kind of friend because they are, they are on the same path. They are going the same way. You have the same agenda, but you not be misconstrued. They are not for you. They are just for what you are for. Don't ever link up with people that are just for what you are for. You only link up with people that are for you. Somebody say amen. Because guess what? When you are with people that are for what you are for, if a car comes through and is going to go faster and get there quicker, they're going to jump out of your car and get in their car because it's going to take them to their agenda because their agenda was never loving you. It was only loving what they're for. Here's the third person you got to be aware of. Always be aware of the against friend. The against friend is only in your world because they are against what you're against. They are against the same thing. So when the agenda of being against, we are both against this thing. When you take out the enemy, when you take out the project, once that is finished, they are done with you. Because the only affinity or the only loyalty of the friendship is what you're against. Be careful with this kind of friend because they are never for you and they're never for what you're for. They're only against what you're against. But what you need in your life, what you need in five important relationships, you got to have a relationship with God. You need a relationship with the world and loving people that you don't know. You got to take care of the one. You got to be faithful to your family, but you need some. I, I beg you. I implore you. I encourage you. I beseech you. Get some friends. Don't be the idiot that isolates himself. The Bible says in Proverbs that the man that isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wisdom. In other words, the reason why some people become sexaholics, alcoholics, idiotaholics is because they're so isolated, they're not getting what their soul needs in friendship. And that's why you need life being poured into you. What did Jesus say? He said, you should pour your life down for your friends. Give your, the reason why some of you can't give life away is because you're not getting life in you. And the way that life comes is people. God uses people to bless people. When God wants to bless you, he sends you a friend. When God wants to hook you up, he sends you a loyal friend. When God wants to take care of your life, he puts some in your world. You can share your dreams, your issues, your hurts, your entanglements, your struggles. You can be honest. You can be transparent. Anybody thankful today that you got at least one friend? in your world that you can open up your heart and share your dream with. We got too many people that isolate themselves. You say, I don't have a friend. If you don't have a friend, it's because you're not a friend. The Bible says in Proverbs, same chapter, chapter 18, it says, he who desires friends must he himself first be friendly. Friendship starts with me. I'm the texter. I'm the inviter. I'm the gift giver. I'm the complimenter. I'm the one that's putting it. Listen, you cannot reap what you do not sow. We got so many people in this world that are so frustrated. I need better friends. No, you don't. You just need to be a better friend yourself. 
You need to be a better encourager, be a better uplifter, be a better prayer warrior, be a better blesser. Pick up the bill sometime. Some about a good friend. And when you got a good friend, you know what? You never know, like Julia said it so well, you never know what life's going to do. You never know when the twist is going to come. You saw the video and you saw us tell a story that happened four years ago. But I can tell you there's the same friends that were with me four years ago are the same friends that are with me right now. And some of you need to understand there were people that left your life because they needed to leave. But the people that couldn't leave are the people that said, I had to stay. I got to stay with you. I don't care what you go through. I don't care what you face. I ain't leaving you in this situation. I'm not leaving you in this place. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. People that walked away from you, it's because they could walk away. But people that are with you today, it's because they had to stay. I got to stay with you. You are my friend. Who are the people in your life? You say, I am with you. I'm going to be your friend. Worship team, you come back up. I want to encourage you, when you got a loyal friend, when you've got friends, can I tell you, you'll need that time because when life gets difficult, when things go bad, you are going to need somebody that knows where you hide. You are going to need somebody in your world that says, don't worry, I know him. Every time life gets hard, he always ends up back with her. He always goes back to this. He always, she always gets into the funk. She always does this, that, or the other. My question to you is when the storms of life hit, do you have a friend? Do you got a friend that's going to come find you in your lowest place? Do you have someone that's going to come and speak life and encourage you and uplift you? The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. You got anybody in your world that says, don't worry. You, you go through hell and high water. I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. And I end with this. There was a man in the Bible. His name was David. David had a loyal friend. His name was Jonathan. David and Jonathan were such close friends that the Bible says that their friendship was like none other. That their love for one another was so fierce and intense. Good friendships. Jonathan happened to be the son of the king of Israel. His father's name was Saul. Saul was so jealous, the king of Israel, of this young man named David, that the Bible literally shows us that Saul, the king, threw spears to take out David's life. You ever had the enemy throw some stuff at you? You ever have the enemy throw some things at your world? Some bills that you didn't expect? Some sickness that you didn't anticipate? Some depression that you didn't calculate through? And when the spears came, David, he ran to the wilderness and he hid in a cave. It's amazing when hell comes your way. It's amazing how people respond. David goes hiding in the wilderness. And Jonathan, his friend, says, Hey, guys, don't worry. I know where my friend always hides. I know what he does when he goes through this kind of season. Jonathan goes to David because you need a friend that's willing to drop what they're doing to come find you in your brokenness. Jonathan runs and goes and finds David and the Bible says, the Bible uses these words, that he strengthened his hand in God. In other words, translation to us, he spoke encouragement to his soul. 
He says to this man, he pulls him out. He says, David, don't you worry about it. I know my father is against you, but David, you're going to be the next king of Israel. You know it. I know it. My dad knows it. Everybody knows it. Come on, David, you're going to be all right. Come on, David, you're going to make it. Come on, David, you can stand up against it. Come on, David, everything's going to be all right. Come on, is there anybody here that's hearing the wheel turn on a Sunday morning that is saying, I want some friends in my world. I, want, I don't want to just love my neighbor as myself. I want to love my friends that God has given to me. Well, encouragement to you. The Bible says that there is a friend that will stick closer than a brother. Jesus says to us, I do not call you servants. I call you a friend. Come on, today, we are friends with God. We're in relationship with God. Jesus came and broke down the wall of separation that we could be in right standing, that I can love God and I can love people. Come on, is there anybody here today that wants to say to heaven, I will love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I will love my neighbor as myself. Come on, church. Let's worship God. Let's lift our